Hey everybody, it's James Tiley and Johnny Fry. We're going to cover November 1st Digital Bytes. We're going to do the podcast for the newsletter. You know, I always confused because we, we go by Team Blockchain. We have Digital Bytes as a product. It's like, who am I? What are we? What, where are we? <laughs> well, I mean, you're right. Coming, coming up after, after the short break, we've, we've actually got... Well, you'll, you'll, lo- you'll love this. It's Sam Tyfield. He's a, he's a lawyer. And don't, don't let that put you off. He's been working in uh, Chicago for about 15 years with all the algorithm traders and the flash boy traders. These, these, are, these are people that are, that are trading typically foreign currencies in, in, in milli, 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 micro, microseconds. So he's very much from your sort of genre, James, because you, you were you had a very senior position on Wall Street for years. I wonder if he knows yeah, all the... I, I, bet you, I bet you've got some mutual friends. But but that's um, Sam Tyfield. He's coming up. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss, question mark, algorithmic trading in the new digital assets paradigm. So that's coming after the break. But uh, meanwhile, listeners, welcome to the show. As James said, this is Digital Bytes. James based in, oh, I'm getting so confused, North Florida, South Georgia, on the river, where it's hot and steamy. And I'm based here in Blighty, about 20 miles south of London, where it's always raining. But... Uh, so we, I was going to say, where it's also hot and steamy. <laughs> it is in the summer sometimes. But uh, the whole idea, really, every week, James and I sit down and look at who, how, where and why people are using blockchain technology and digital assets. And, and this week, James, this um, we've been asked to have a look at the quantum proof of work. So this must all be to do with quantum computers. Oh, that's going to be, uh, that's a hard one. Quantum computers and, and, and blockchain itself is a very controversial type of uh, subject to have i guess we have to understand quantum first right maybe real high level did you ever hear of um schrodinger's cat no whose cat was that you never heard of schrodinger's cat so it's a scientist years and years ago that said if you put this is gonna this is real world all right so so don't get upset so if you put a cat in a box and you seal the box it is impossible to know at that moment if that cat is alive or dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is listen. This is quantum computing. Theoretically, because that's what science is, the cat is alive and dead at the very same time, and you'll never know until you open the box to check on the cat. Right? It's impossible for you to know. What happens if he goes meow? Well, then you broke the whole, you ruined the whole thing. <laughs> so be a sound. This is Schrodinger's cat. I mean, you Google it and your mind will be blown. Well, what happens if a cat has a poo? Then you know it's smelly. Right. Now, let me try this. Let me try it. You, you leave it to you to ruin a whole scientist. Socks come in pairs. If you put a Cats sock on your pairs. left, wait a minute. Yes, your socks come in pairs, don't they? Oh, sorry, I thought you said my cat comes in pairs. I thought I haven't even got a cat. I gave up on the cat. cat. I gave up on the cat. Yes. You, you killed the cat. Now, now it's not a question anymore. <laughs> you killed the cat. Now you're going to go with my socks. So socks come in pairs, right? Yep. If you put a sock on your left foot, the other sock of that pair instantly becomes the right sock. Yes. No matter where it is in the universe, if your one sock is in the bedroom, and the other sock that might be still in the dryer has become the right sock. Yes. Okay. So that's quantum computing. You can't have but one is, without the other. It's instantaneous but, at all times. But what about the bloke that only has one leg? Well, that's a disabled computer. We are so <laughs> going to hell. 
Okay, so what we're talking about is obviously blockchain technology is based on cryptographic security. This is meant to mean that it's a lot safer than your, your standard sort of um, computing that we're used to. And joking apart, what James and I were here really talking about is that there's a whole new breed of computing power, which is called quantum computing. And people are saying that they're making things quantum proof, quantum proof safe. But the reality is uh, we've yet to actually build a quantum computer, James. So it makes it quite difficult to test that proposition that you've built an algorithm, which is safe from a computing power that we've not yet built. Is that, is that, am I dumbing it down too much? No, no, that's good because why are we afraid in terms of needing quantum resistance? And much like the sock, or the cat being alive and dead at the same time, what would happen if I sent you Bitcoin at the very same time that I canceled sending you a Bitcoin at the very same moment? Did you get the Bitcoin? Yep. You don't, you don't know, right? So in theory, you could send money and cancel sending that money in the very same instance, and you would know if you have the money or not. It would just defeat the whole thing. That's what a quantum computer can break blockchain. Okay, so now James, they're trying being, to. Mm -hmm. Being really simplistic about this, surely if I've trying. got a quantum computer, why can't I then have a blockchain based on quantum computing so it's as good as quantum computing? Or is that me being thick? So quantum computers are around in theory. I know of one over at Brookhaven Lab in Long Island, I know Google has one. And if you're just a regular guy and you go on Google and you go, I want to do quantum computing, they have available something called quantum as a service, QAAS. But these quantum as a service products are emulating quantum computing in the cloud. Yeah. Right. Amazon is not going to give you $39.95 a month and give you access to a quantum computer. It's not going to no. years away. Yeah. So I, question how much are we really testing i mean absolutely you got to know yeah. somebody yeah but we understand what quantum is it's the existence okay. and the non-existence at the same moment it's the left and the right the one and the zero it's instantaneous okay so i'll just quantum computing and a, a dead cat and a pair of socks i I'll, I, I can remember that i remember that <laughs> all right so james What's next for NFTs? I know we've talked about NFTs and uh, the actual naming of a non-fungible token isn't our favorite expression. We prefer a digital certificate, but they've had a bit of a comeback recently, haven't they? A little bit. Uh, bigger names still trying to, I might feel like the bigger names are trying to keep it alive, right? Because they, yes. they were hurting. Yeah, because uh, yeah, when well, Disney came out a couple of weeks ago, they're, they're not doing something, I see. Right. And, you know, me, I, I was like, really? Disney? Come on. Come on. Nike, but Starbucks. Nike, Starbucks, right. The NBA. Dude. University, University it, of Georgia. So, did you ever watch the show Upload on Amazon? No. Man, you were just no fun lately. <laughs> so, I have to explain the show. So, I'm watching the show, and it's in the future, and it's in the metaverse. So, basically, the guy got a press release, went out on TV, and it was bad news. And the guy... It's just a little Easter egg. The guy goes, it has to be real. It has the Pulitzer Certificate of Authenticity of Bored Apes in the corner of the screen. <laughs> right? So I'm watching the TV show and I went, are you kidding me? We're saying the Bored Apes NFT was used by Pulitzer 
as a certificate of authenticity in the future. And if you and I, you'd go, that's funny. That's hilarious. But it's a real case. You could, in theory, make that Pulitzer would create an NFT that if stamped with that press release in the NFT, you'd say that's a real, not fake news. Does that work? Well, stumped you there. I finally so, got you. I, I no, I've got to confess, I was being rude because I was trying to remember because Bart Simpson he got turned into an NFT and Marge <laughs> tried to save him, didn't he? Didn't she? That was just the other week, right? Yeah, and had the foam on a fo the foam on a foam meter, fear of missing out meter, and it That's and it right. starts off. I've never heard of it. I saw a tweet about it. It was mentioned on the Today Show, which I said, is that something in America, Today Show? Yeah, that's out of New York. Yeah. And then the Uber driver says, go for it. So I've got no choice. I've got to remortgage my house and buy some. <laughs> but a Bart Simpson like NFT, which there was a Simpsons hype for a while in the crypto world. There's all the yeah. other stuff that we don't ever shill. But, and I guess so the Simpsons took advantage of that. Mm. But like in the article, Nissan has something called a hype lab. Right? They're using the word hype. Right in there, yeah. It's, and it's um, all right. There's virtual, no uh, cars, right? McLaren, Hyundai. Yeah. So I think, as you're saying, what we're beginning to see, people are beginning to understand how to use these unique digital certificates, these non-fungible tokens. And interesting that we've seen some big brands, you know, the huge Brazilian bank, New Bank. I think you've got over 40 million customers. You know, you've got some very prestigious universities in, in the States. You know, in meanwhile, in the fashion industry, you've got Dolce Gabbana and Louis Vuitton and Gucci. They're all using it. Um, and as we see more and more attention and more and more money being put into the metaverse, as you say, then we're going to see more of these things being used and adopted. So I don't think we've really scratched the surface on non-fungible tokens. And I think that, well, that was why we wrote the article, you know, what's next for NFTs? Because we're now beginning to be used by a very, very prestigious global brand. So I think it's something definitely worth keeping an eye on. Um, there, there was a study. Thought... Wait, there was a study about people wanting access to owning cars, kind of like a subscription. Yep. So yep. if Honda or Cadillac over here were to legitimize that using NFTs, I think that would be the signal, like mainstream, like, like Harry Styles did it with the concert. Yeah, just that's explain going that. To be that's quite cool, that is. Just can you I, I explain on you. Harry Styles? Yeah, so Harry Styles was selling the merch and the tickets and some other things. He airdropped his NFT at, at a show. I think it gave him access to a new single. So there were was 5,000 little... people out of 80,000 people downloaded his blockchain awards, his NFT, within 24 hours. Yeah. And then there were 100,000 interactions. Now that's that's real fan community engagement. So that could be real used people. in well, real people, real people with digital digital engagement. Right. When we talk about mass adoption, we don't normally feel, you know, that real number. Binance might say they have eight million users. Coinbase has ten million users. Well, show me them. I you know, I'm taking your word on it. But something Funny, like Sam what you just Friedman's said. Probably got three Sam Friedman's probably got three people sharing his cell. <laughs> Oh, the jokes for an NFT. Oh, dear. Okay, so James, just before we go, we're not going to get a chance to go through the whole of this article, but in this next article, Unlocking Latin America's Economic Potential, 
and talking about the role of digital assets in, in boosting tax revenue. And, and I know in a couple of weeks' time, we've got uh, Keith Baer from Cambridge University. And part of this report was actually done with some of the research that have come out from Cambridge University. But I'd just like for the listeners, because obviously you have global reach. And one of the reasons we, we wrote about this was to highlight you have a lot of listeners not just in the U, not just in the USA, don't you? No, we do very well, obviously, across a lot of the countries. Uh, I'd like to do better in the EU and the UK, but we really hit, believe it or not, Asia really well and Nigeria, which is real big on, on crypto and digital assets. But this one's on Latin America, and Latin America is one of our biggest in terms of Cyber FM. I could tell you that we had one or two articles written about us in Brazil. And our numbers just exploded out, out of the ordinary. And I don't talk enough about CyberVim Latino. Shout out to Miguel and Jose, Jumpmaster Paco. Those guys run CyberVim Latino. I can't speak Spanish worth anything. So we handed over the whole reins to them. And they're, I guess Brazil, as an example, is our biggest. And the fact that they're getting rewarded in crypto to listen to salsa, right? And other Spanish forms of music. Yeah. They've adopted it in a way that makes them, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. My show should do so well. Brazil, you know, El Salvador is completely taken on Bitcoin, right? So yep. I feel it's like all of Latin America is, they're like prime real estate. CBDCs, they'll automatically understand them as long as things like CyberFM don't get hurt. They're going to adopt it all. They'll be the ones that are Showing us how to, how to make it happen. Uh, even BRICS, right? What does the B stand for in BRICS? Brazil. Right. So Latin America, in my opinion, they might very well pave the way for adoption. How it's taxed, how it should be taxed. Maybe how to help people that don't want to be taxed or, you know, subsidies. Latin America, I have a lot of expectation for Latin America. Well, it's it's interesting because... If you look at the shadow economy in Latin America, you know, you know, so this is where just cash is being paid, taxes aren't being collected. And the shadow economy is is you know a, re- a reasonable size, put it that way, in some of these Latin American countries. And therefore, anyone that can actually um, come up with a system whereby payments are tracked and monitored. And okay, I know it's an extreme, but uh, you know, the highest share of unemployment informally in someone like Bolivia is eighty five percent. So. If you're if in if you're employed informally, i.e. on a casual labour basis, the chances are being paid cash. So therefore, if governments can see a way to actually have a little bit more visibility for, for their economy, then actually that's got to be good news because they can hopefully then create and collect more taxes. So that will actually help them have a bit more handle in terms of what are they actually doing and and how they can get generate more income for their economy on an ongoing basis. So my wife and I always make a joke that when the time is right, you're going to find us in Costa Rica, little beach house, Costa Rica, on the water. Ironically, Mexico is one of the most wheelchair accessible countries in the world. Bar none. Yeah, it blew my mind when I studied it. And independent mobility, taxi cabs at wheelchair lifts, the whole night. So we're like, yeah, Costa Rica. Now imagine, and I say this with the most sincerity, me bringing American money as a digital nomad into Costa Rica and using crypto, aren't, I would like to think that I'm bettering that economy as a whole. Yep, yep. 
That makes so sense. If, if Latin America is welcoming to that, and you're going to shape the way, that's where you keep an eye. That's that's what we're going to look at. We should get more detailed articles going about Latin America. Well, maybe that's a call out to any listeners. If you're doing anything in the blockchain digital asset space, then um, get a hold of uh, James. And James, just mention wheelchairs like that. I, I'm you know I'm super proud of you know the way you've you've carried on in your life. And we've had this conversation now before. And I know you can you can go down a high street a lot quicker than I can because you've been in a wheelchair all your life and you don't look at it as a disability it's just a different way of carrying on yeah it's just how i get to point a to point b you know the way i see it what do you do when you go to work you sit down what do you do when you drive you sit down what do you do when you go see a movie you sit down well, how important is walking really yeah well no fantastic credit because a lot of people wouldn't have that spirit and i know you've lived your life and you've commuted and worked all over the place and yeah we we, uh, we met up about this time last year in Washington State, not Washington State, Washington DC, wasn't it? We met up and you'd driven up eight hours, you'd driven up to meet me. Yeah, it was pretty good in an EV, no doubt. In an EV, that's true. You had to stop on, on route and top up with a bit of energy. But there you go, James. We better crack on. So, no, come up after the break, we got Sam Tyfield. And obviously, if anyone would like to get a copy of Digital Bytes, it's a weekly publication. Just contact either James Tiley at cyber.fm or myself, Johnny Fry. We're both on LinkedIn. Or you go to digitalbytes.substack.com and you can sign up yourself and you'll see how to get it. But uh, James, we better go. Got a man after the break. So thank you for listening and we'll be back very soon. Teamblockchain.net. Right in front of you, the minute it loads up, we don't care how you listen to this show. I'd love for you to listen on cyber.fm, but let's be realistic. Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeart, Castbox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pandora, and you could always say, Alexa, open up Digital Bytes Podcast. We put that right there in the very front, and right next to it, if you have no idea what we're talking about every week, stick your email address in there and actually get the newsletter. Hey, everybody. James Tiley and Johnny Fry, we're back, and we're over here with, with a guy from, I want to say the company's called Shoesmith, but it's, uh, I can say the last name easily because it sounds kind of like mine. I'm James Tiley, and we're bringing on Sam Tyfield over at Shoesmiths. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. We're going to have a little trouble here. He wrote an article called Algorithmic Trading in the New Digital Assets Paradigm. I'm going to have an opinion, but I'll let Johnny run with that. Thanks very much, uh, James. And not only got a similar name, but all those algorithmic trades that you used to create and do, it was probably Sam on the other side that was sending your ass off because you probably hadn't done it right. (laughs) Or he was copying your, your code for one of his clients. But not, not that a, a learned friend of mine, a, a lawyer from Shoesmiths, would, would do something like that. Sam, welcome to, uh, welcome to the show. And um, it's a heck of a long title for your um, article. What's, what's this all about then? Well, what, what, what it's all about is uh, it came from a, a discussion that you and I had um, a few weeks ago where uh, we were talking about how you and I both uh, stepped into the digital assets and and, and crypto space, mm-hmm. and I was explaining a little bit of my my, my background, which is in algorithmic and high frequency trading. And it, it, I explained that that it, it is not a very big leap from trading algorithmic strategies in traditional financial instruments cross venue cross-market to 
trading digital assets and, and, and cryptocurrencies and crypto derivatives yep. um, for well, quite a number of reasons, really. Um, I, I don't want to issue any spoilers. And they're, they're, they're all, or some of them are set out in the, in, the, in the article themselves. But essentially, it all boils down to uh, the fact that algorithmic trading is... Well, hang on, Sam. Let's let's yeah, start. Let's start with it. What is algorithmic yeah. trading? We throw around these terms, and I know James knows what it is. But I was waiting for, for, for an old duffer like me. How I, do you I was explain waiting for him yeah. algorithmic to, to trading? Scream. Well, so let's go back quite a number of decades, uh, and 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 close your eyes and picture the the dealing floor of a stock exchange. Mm. Now, uh, those of us above a certain age will have an image of. Uh, Huge crowd of uh, mainly men yeah. dressed stripey, in brightly coloured jackets, yelling at one another. Yeah, yeah. Fag, in, fag in the hand, probably a glass of scotch as well, and that was first thing in the morning. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, um, yelling at one another. At some point, somebody decided that that was all a little bit too sweaty and uh, involved far too much uh, human awesome. interaction, and they decided to move quite a lot of the dealing floors onto uh, open plan offices around the cities and and New York and wherever else so that these same gentlemen would yell at one another down the telephone. Now, or maybe two of them, one in each hand at least. And from there, technological advances led to slowly, slowly, uh, those gentlemen explaining to uh, people who had the ability to write code and write software how they were trading, how they were thinking, and giving these 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 software devs uh, e enough information that they could code the strategies uh, and upload them to a computer. And at some point, a fair majority of the trading volume and daily interest on various exchanges and on various financial instruments turned from human beings yelling at one another to computers yelling at one another. And from there, it is along with the development of the applicable underlying technology, uh, not... Uh, a, a drastic evolution towards computers shouting at one another faster and faster and faster. And, that, and that's, the, the high that's the high frequency bit. When, that's when, the high frequency bit. And, uh, there, there are there are legal definitions, yeah, yeah. statutory definitions of, of of high frequency trading, and they, well, they they don't they don't capture the the essence of what it is they do belie the 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 astonishing uh speed with which machines now uh collect pass uh interpret and then uh, spit Excellent. out uh, in, in information going the other way whether that's messages orders cancels or amends right um it, the the the, the statute one of the statute definitions of high frequency trading is 
two messages per second um, per instrument per venue, which is tremendously fast. And that is a lot of messages that can go uh, out into a trading venue. Uh, and if you, if, you, if you think about how many times that is happening every hour, every day from multiple trading participants, you can get a, start to get a feel of just how busy the systems for a, a your, your average trading venue are going to be. Uh, but the, 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 I don't know whether it was the which way around I want to put it. Is it the the result of it or or the um, the genesis of it is a lack of human interaction in the order cycle. So you, you you have empowered machines within certain coded parameters to take autonomous decisions. I mean, the, the the scope of those decisions are fairly limited. It's buy, sell, or do nothing. Um, that sounds very much within, like a smart contract to me. Well, it, it, it's not quite binary. Um, but yes, it, 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 it is smart contracts with the added uh, bonus of having a, a large modicum of artificial intelligence included in it. Because these... You, the these the decision making part of of these uh, strategies of the of this code um, also learns from previous decisions it's taken. It it has access to vast amounts of historic market tick data, and it. It is designed by its very nature. I say I'm, I'm saying that um, electronic code has has a nature which is slightly more artificial intelligence than I was than, than I was going for. But by 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 its raison d'être is to establish on a given timeline what it thinks is going to happen to the market or to the price. Uh, of the instrument that it is it is pointed at right so what we're talking about and james i'm going to come to you in a minute because you you were the you were the guy writing some of these algorithmic trading we've we've gone from a sort of a, an open outcry i girls and guys running around shouting and screaming each other buy sell buy sell and trading places and and the like um uh, sort of hollywoodized what what happened there with live hogs and orange juice and all the other bits and bobs um, and it's now gone over telephones, um, but then it was given to computers to sort of do do trading. And now we're seeing the advent of things called DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, um, which for me, being simplistic, they're like a co-op. I Lots of people have a view. They all get together and it's for the benefit of, of the group of people. And I just thought it was interesting that once again, nothing's new. I, you've been, you know, from a legal point of view, been looking at algorithmic trading. James, from a coding point of view, has been doing this. For, and this has been around for, what, there must be 30, getting on 40 years, some of this stuff. It certainly goes back to sort of the 80s. And now we're seeing these high-frequency algo traders suddenly looked at crypto and thought, oh, this is good. 
there's a, there's a price in something like Bitcoin being made on one exchange, and and then over in Korea it was a fifteen percent price differential. We'll, we'll we'll arbitrage that all day long, but as we start to see um, digital assets, i the digitization, securitization, monetization of real world assets using cryptographic technology, I putting on a blockchain, then really the market seems to be growing up. But we can probably draw from some experience from the algo trades. Is is that is that fair? Sorry, I thought you were you were asking James. Yes, absolutely, yes. it is fair. Uh, okay. And having been involved, maybe not for as long as James, but um, for for a significant period of time in the algo trading world and seeing it evolve, uh, there are very definite landmarks that I'm seeing in uh, in the evolution of the digital assets. Uh, trading and and markets that we saw in um, in algorithmic trading. Not the least of which is that it both well al algo trading, um, particularly principal trading, which means dealing on your own account, being dragged kicking and screaming into the the glare of the fully regulated environment um, in in most jurisdictions around the world and setting in doing so setting the benchmark for risk management and uh change management control and oversight for the rest of the market that comes along behind it yeah. it, 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 it it is the, the, the parallels are are quite astonishing actually to see to see the uh, to, to, to see what is happening in, 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 in both sides. Uh, there was a recent, I say recent, it was on Monday, uh, a response to a consultation issued by His Majesty's Treasury on the future financial services regulatory regime for crypto assets. I know we're not here to talk about that, but uh, all the things they're talking about here, as in... Um, what activities are regulated and what instruments are going to be within the regulated perimeter mm -hmm. were discussions that we've we, we've been having for much longer than a decade um, with an eye to algorithmic trading and that the approaches are eventually going to be the same is that if you if you want to deal in or advise on um, these types of assets you're going to have to be within the regulatory perimeter and subject to the uh, the tender mercies of our friends in Endeavour Square, the, the FCA. Right. Okay. All right. Well. Okay. Well, um, James, you you were you were very much at the sharp end of some of this stuff. What? Um, what? Any thoughts? Well, yeah. So I read over the article, and and I love it by default. Um, James, you're not I, on mute, are you? Uh, you're on mute, James. You wouldn't think he was a DJ, would you? Well, well yeah, well, well, other is. This is going to be okay. one of those shows where <laughs> I lost the Zoom screen. All right, thank God. You know what? I'm really good at editing. Thank good, good <laughs> stuff. So, Jack, three, two, one. So, James, what do you think? You were at the sharp end of some of this stuff. 
Um, you obviously heard, you know, from from a legal perspective, and obviously Sam was looking at from very much, you know, the algo trades, the high frequency trading, and 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 you know, making sure they were they were doing what they said to do from a legal perspective. Um, do you see some parallels between some of the stuff you were doing on Wall Street and now what we're beginning to see with digital assets? You know, initially crypto, but now moving into when we start tokenizing, digitizing real assets? Well, the easy answer is yes, right? I was reading over the article, um, and you, you'd almost, for a moment there, you were going where I wanted you to go, and then you said you didn't want to necessarily discuss crypto, but I'm that guy with that opinion. Um, so here, and from a legal aspect, I would love this opinion. So I, I'm the guy that says... It's equally, I hate to use the word dangerous, but it's dangerous that we introduced all of this technology directly to retail. And, and what I mean by that is you and I, grandma and grandpa. So Coinbase, if you recall, and Mt. Gox back in the day, Mt. Gox was the first exchange to offer what was called fixed protocol, which is a communications protocol for high-frequency trading. And I think Sam touched upon the amount of messages per second that you could push over fixed protocol. And to this day, Coinbase, Binance, all of them, now they're using fixed protocol for their internal communications and their, what some people might say, arbitrage you know, between Coinbase and, and Binance. We all know where Binance came from. We don't say that part out loud, but it's literally Bloomberg. So my question, you also, Sam, you were talking about amending orders and I was like, you know what? For 10 years now, I can't do an order mod, a cancel replace on any of these exchanges. It just doesn't work. It doesn't happen. But all that technology is there. So when you're saying, and I haven't seen the EU like swarm markets type front end for regulated trading, but when, when you say that all of the old is now new again, I feel like we're still in 1992 in terms of digital assets because we are not implementing what could be implemented with algorithmic trading, sweeping markets across dark pools, walking markets, top of book, depth of book. There's, there's no, as far as I know, there's no level two or level three type data in no. in the crypto world. Well, I but, agree with you. Everything you've said, I, I, I completely agree with I you. I don't agree. No, I disagree think, and have an argument. It's much oh, more... Right. Well, see, I, see, somewhere I was going, I was being very polite. Um, no, don't. Don't. He's American. He's but, annoying. So, but it, I think that, that's partly a factor of most of the market-moving transactions in let's call it crypto are OTC in very large blocks the the actual retail volume that sits on Binance and and its peers may be large but as far as market pricing and market moving transactions concerned they're almost irrelevant and so what I, th I i think is going to happen james 
is that all of the things about which you just spoke will move into the market as the market, because it is becoming more regulated, um, can become more institutional. I think that's it's it's a chicken and egg issue here. Right, because okay. I'm I'm not the retail guy that should be frustrated over the fact that I can't do a cancel replace, right? Because nobody oh, normally no. would, you, yeah. right? Nobody normally oh, you, know how to do that. But I question why isn't it right? I could do, I I can do. I could have a little bot. Like you were talking about artificial intelligence, which we used that term two decades ago, right? Because we were, yes. we were you yep. know, long and short RSIs when it's below 42, let's, let's get the VWAP on a buy. And that was all Java. That was all using EMS cues, words people don't know. But it's there back then. And now my next door neighbor is talking to me about stochastic RSI frequencies. And, and it's concerning as entertaining as it is to me. So it, it, it is absolutely concerning. Uh, we, we've been, it's something that um, on the algo trading side, it's uh, digital assets. We've been talking about for years. So I, I forget the, the exact examples, but I'm, I'm I think there was a, a, a very famous or, or widely read article um, back in the day on Thomson Reuters or Bloomberg, which dealt with a man who he was using off-the-shelf algorithmic trading software. And he was very upset and had gone to the press because he had turned the algo on and gone to work. And when he came back, he was a couple of a uh, couple of bucks in the hole <laughs> and that that's that's a perfect example of the the danger of commoditizing these tools if you put it in the put these tools in the hands of idiots like me you're going to well they're going to be they're not going to be misused they're going to be used badly and to it is just purely by by luck that the amount of risk that numpties like I am going to be placing onto the market do not present a systemic risk. We saw what happened with Knight Capital, which did present a systemic risk. We've seen what happens when there are fat finger trades at an American bank. The name of which I, I I won't mention, but which was oh, go on, very mention heavily. them. Which American bank? No, Citi 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 had a fat finger error. What's a fat finger error, Sam? Oh my What's God! I have an entire story oh. for you. Just it's not your podcast, though, James. I, I, not your podcast. I love this guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, I'm gonna. A fat finger error is when a human error occurs because someone pressed the wrong key instead of pressing. Um, you know, I don't know, three, they've pressed, you know, 33. And it's, it's, um, look, I'm going to have to stop this because I know this is going to go on all day long. I knew you guys would get on really, really well. Um, Sam, I generally, I, I, the little bit that I know about some of this stuff, I've been doing it for sort of seven or eight years. I think it's, 
I see it's encouraging that um, it isn't anything new necessarily. It, it's sort of same soup, different gravy in the sense that I think we can learn a lot of what's already happened. And I think that's great from an institutional point of view, because at the end of the day, it's the institutions that have got access to the capital. And when they see that some of the systems, procedures, and they can put the risk controls around that, as they have done around the algo trading and the OTC markets, um, I think that it'll enable them to be able to have a, perhaps a, a different appreciation, understanding of, of the digitization of these assets. Because the, the real prize, unfortunately, is not crypto, James. As much, I know as much as you love it, it's actually the derivatives, because that's where there's 1.2 quadrillion worth of assets. And if we can start seeing blockchains and DLTs being used in that field and reduce the cost and improve the efficiency, bizarrely, that will actually help the man and lady in the street because that market is is the biggest asset class in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely agree. Okay, yeah, Sam, how do people get hold of you? Um, is it, it's it's Sam, S-A-M, Tyfield, T-Y field, F-I-L-D, on LinkedIn. Is that the best one? Yeah, that link, link, LinkedIn's a good one. Um, or you're at Shoesmith. Uh, you, I'm dyslexic. Why have you got two two O's no E in Shoesmith? What's going on there? Uh, it, 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 it is a very old firm. Um, <laughs> and there was a Shoesmith's family back in the day. Yeah, who, yeah, but you got, um, yeah, but you don't sell sho the shoe. Is that, that's yeah, like, okay. see, see, the beauty of having two O's, Johnny, is yeah. that we can turn it into an infinity sign. Because we were infinitely brilliant at what we do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure someone would have paid a lot more money to come up with a with an advertising slogan than that. <laughs> but it, it 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 is is a work of genius to have an infinity sign instead of two O's. Infinity sign. Oh, okay. Well, I'll ponder I'll ponder that at a later stage. But, but uh, <laughs> thank you very much for um, my for, pleasure. You know, and um, James, thank you for the you and the team. Um, for this week's um, Digital Bytes. And we'll be back next week um, with another guest um, and another another edition. So thanks, Sam. Thanks, James. And take Thank care. You. Thank you very much, both.